Okay, hopefully you shared something about yourself and you know the people at your table. And hopefully you met somebody new today. And if you are just coming in, we do have some extra seating over here against the um, wall over there. Sorry, I don't know why my um, music keeps playing. Okay, so I want to introduce to you a friend today. And you guys all saw her come up in the service. But I want to just tell you a little bit why she's my friend. <laughs> she is my friend. And um, she shared that she came here in February. Um, and as far as uh, came into the uh, the church, walked up to the information center when she heard about a marriage retreat. And Tina happened to be working that day. And Tina and Daryl couldn't go to the marriage retreat. We were sold out. And Tina goes, well, you can have Daryl and I's tickets and go to the marriage retreat. And she's like, okay. We jumped on and they, they came. And then she walks into the marriage retreat and I don't know who she is. And I just invited her to come sit at our table. And I just want to tell you, you guys, it's history from there. And we got to know each other at the marriage retreat and she shared her heart for helping people. And I'm like, God, this, this gal has a purpose and a mission and I hope she can uh, partner with us. And so God has continually laid out opportunity for partnership and it's been amazing. And so I don't know if you have ever, um, been upstairs, but we have an upstairs area in our Kidman in our second and third um, classroom, we have a little nook in there, and Manessa is actually setting up her practice right here in that room, and she's coming here during the week using the side entrance that none of us even know that exists. There's an entrance that exists, if you know, called D, but nobody uses it. And so she uses that, is able to work upstairs and see clients and be here and be supported, be prayed for, be um, teammate um, here at Walkie. And, and so would you just welcome, because I, I know God's going to use her, and would you welcome her this morning? So... Manessa, we're going to talk about what you said already, anxiety and depression, which we want to change the word, right? We'd like to change the words. Is it on? I'd like to have this word. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to change the words a little bit. Um, we're going to try to reframe it today. Um, uh, the goal today is really just to give you guys some information, bring about awareness, what to look for, things to just just consider in your family um, what kind of causes it? Just some basic part one, right? Yes, this is part one of two. And I just want to preface her talk this morning that I think everyone here, we've talked about this. We've talked about the, the desire we have for all generations to come to the table and talk because I think we can say, well, you know, I've lived a long life. I've faced a lot of things, but there's still, the, there's still anxiety and um, overwhelming sometimes um, issues that come about. And later mm -hmm. in life, of yep. course, we know that it comes about as you're growing in our teenage years and in our young families. It, it reaches this discussion has been heavy on my heart because I believe it touches everyone here. And we all can um, go to a moment in our life that we said, what now, Lord? And um, so this morning, I just want you to listen with an open heart, open um, ears, and allow God to work. And so I'm going to pray, and then she's going to jump into this discussion. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you give us your word and that your word shows us how to live 
and walk in truth and that we have the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That you've given that to us as believers to go forth in boldness as Pastor Chris preached this morning. May we take these, these truths and plant them in our minds and use them to guide our thoughts, our words this morning, and even as we go into this week. And we're going to give you the glory for what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to ask Manessa to kind of frame the, um, the anxiety and depression and kind of define it. But as you talk and as she talks and as you talk around the table, remember, you can text us questions um, and we will address that at the end this morning. Absolutely. Okay, so thanks, Angie. Um, I have been super excited to be a part of this church, excited to be um, kind of back and doing direct work. So just a little bit about myself. Um, I was a child protection worker in the state of Colorado. Um, my license was in Illinois. It was transferred to Colorado. Um, and then I went into the administration administration world uh, for a while. So I started a mentoring program in Colorado for uh, teens um, ages 26 to 26 uh, or ages 12 to 26 and um, then got more into uh, managerial and supervisory work and was the executive director here at Big Brothers Big Sisters for a while and then um, about let's see 2016-2017 God uh, really just started talking to me he said I gave you these skills I gave you this uh, I gave you this uh, ability to be able to work and connect with people and I was doing paperwork um, and so I said, um, all right, God, I, I'm going to kind of listen. I'm going to keep doing my own thing here. I'm going to keep walking. And, you know, I, th I think I got it. I can do it. Um, and then um, he really just started talking louder to my heart. And so I stopped doing administration work. Actually, my last uh, day was this summer, June 30th, and um, really have been doing just direct work counseling. Uh, so I have a child youth certification in the state of Indiana, um, work with a lot of uh, kind of that 12 to 22 age range, which is just my favorite. I tell everyone I love middle schoolers and high schoolers, and they look at me like, are you sure about this? <laughs> sure you don't want to work with elementary? I'm like, no, give me every middle school and high school kid there is. So I uh, just adore, uh, it's really that impressionable age. It's that age that you can really kind of take them on your ring, wing and talk with them. Um, um, but also at that age, they're saying, I'm not going to listen to my parents right now. I need to listen. To, I maybe might, might listen to you. I might listen to a teacher. I might listen to a coach. And so um, that's kind of where I started uh, coming from. And happy to say that it has, in the transferring of my license from Colorado to Indiana, I have just started doing some direct work, but kind of have started slow um, because I want to make sure that license gets transferred and everything, you know, law-wise, legal-wise is uh, good here. So um, I specialize in art therapy. I also did a specialty in trauma. So I worked with a lot of sexual abuse, domestic violence, and that has been um, where I've come from. And um, it's it's a little bit different to be in private practice, um, but I, I love it. Um, and so that's just a little bit about me and where I've come February, like Angie said, we showed up one day and we're like, let's just let's just try out walking missionary. And we're like, oh, a marriage retreat. Two of them got canceled during COVID. Let's get in on this. And um, so we ended up at the marriage retreat. And I, I think at that point, I was still trying to figure out what 
what was going on? How is it going to work? I mean, God, you're calling me to do this, but how is that really going to work now? And um, I think I, I think I had a shirt that said, uh, "You can love Jesus and have a therapist too." On, and I was like <laughs> walking around with that shirt, like, "Yeah, this is this is what's going to happen." And so. Um, yeah, so it's been kind of history since, and God has been working in so many ways, and um, yeah, I've just been so blessed for that. So I appreciate you guys being here today, and uh, for Walking Missionary and the team just really kind of having me and partnering. It's been awesome. And so today, like I said, we're going to talk a little bit about anxiety and depression, and um, I really hope you guys don't leave anxious and depressed after this. So, <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm going to do my best. <laughs> to try to bring, I brought some comics, some funny things in, um, into the presentation. And so if you can't read something, ask someone, or I'll try to, I'll try to read it to you. But all right, so let's go here. Just a little bit about the private practice. So essential grace services. Um, I have kind of, I have really come a long way. So I started doing counseling and art therapy in Chicago. I worked at a domestic violence shelter there. And um, at that point, my walk with the Lord was pretty minimal. Um, so almost so much, I had a kind of a poor experience in my childhood with religion and all of that. And so I was like, no, we can't talk about religion here. Mm -mm, this is counseling. <laughs> this is counseling. And so um, you'll see kind of like how I've come full circle back um, into this uh, this point where now there is no way that I cannot do counseling without the Lord behind uh, behind it, and there's no there's no way that I can't bring uh, God in there. Now it's kind of an, a marketing and an art to kind of do that. Um, with some people who are like, nope, nope, I don't I don't believe in God, and so it's a little bit tricky. Um, but I love it, and I, I'm able to really do that and really be with people in the moments that they need that, and so. Um, yeah, I just kind of essential grace services. So I'm not really sure um, where I came up with the name um, other than just grace. It is essential that we have grace, that we give people grace, um, and that the grace is just one of those things that I, you know, I wasn't taught a lot of grace when I was younger, um, how to just accept and how to be uh, forgiving of others. And so in my kind of a young adulthood into my older adulthood here, I have really just started to learn that and know that when people come to you, they want to feel like they are loved and they're accepted in that time that you're working with them. And so I guess that's kind of where it came from. Um, and so just a few uh, a few things, services, just kind of doing some mentoring. So when I was at Child Protection Services, I had a lot of teen cases. And a lot of those teen cases, um, a lot of those kids don't want to come sit in a couch with a neon light and that light on them and, and talk about their feelings. So what I did was a creative way of bringing uh, kind of life skills and counseling together was I mentored them um, and really came alongside them in an informal manner. Um, and so that's what I love about art therapy or that creative way of bringing integrated therapies into working with people is it's just, it's a creative way of kind of touching people and reaching them. Um, and so that's kind of a little bit about that. So my background is art therapy. That's what I was trained, my master's in art therapy. Um, and so why art therapy? Well, I was in my fourth, my second semester of my fourth year undergrad and said, I can't do graphic design anymore. I have to do art and work with people. And so I literally typed in the computer art and people. And I came up with this, 
and then I went off to Chicago and got my master's in art therapy. And so um, art therapy, uh, a lot of counselors use art in working with people. And so I really, I really try to be careful on how I give art directives and uh, not to just anyone because you really want someone who is skilled in understanding what art therapy is and um, it kind of it's in that integrated therapy music therapy play therapy santray therapy but um, it is really a very specific way in working with kiddos uh, some adults, some adults like doing it as well, but um, I always try to encourage people to try to make sure you're trained a little bit in using this um, if you're ever doing it within counseling or mentoring sessions. Okay, so I give this ahead of time. This is a substance abuse and mental health hotline. Um, if you do not have it, you can look it up. I give this to everyone um, just as a resource and um, hope that if anything in any conversation that we have today, if we are bringing about anything that gives you anxiety, that gives you depression, that gets you thinking, or you're seeing it in your kids, or you're seeing it with kiddos that you coach or you work with, um, this is just a, a helpline. Some people use it, and I think it's awesome, um, but what we find is a lot of teenagers use that because they don't want to tell their parents, um, and so it's a nice, uh, nice resource to have always on hand. Okay, so anxiety. There's clinical definitions of anxiety. The Bible talks about anxiety. Do not be anxious in anything, but in everything, uh, use prayer and thankful, thankfulness. Um, but anxiety really is excessive worry. It is excessive worry. So I'll give you the example. So last night I'm kind of reading over Angie's stuff she sends to me and I'm looking at the schedule and I, I don't know, it's probably 11 o'clock at night last night. And, um, and then I go over to my PowerPoint and I say, all right, I want to make sure everything's good. Everything's clean. I'm going to be ready. And um, it's the wrong PowerPoint. It's the one I saved like three weeks ago. And I'm like, oh no, what do I do? And I'm already in bed at this point. I've brushed my teeth. Like I'm just sitting there and I'm like, do I get up? My bed is so warm. It's so comfortable. Like I do, I go change this PowerPoint. Do I, oh no. Okay. Well, what, is, what else does Angie have for me? And then one, one thought leads to another. And I'm like, if I go, if I go back downstairs, I'm going to wake my dog and then I might wake my son and then I might do this. So I find all these, and then I worry and worry. And then, then I start thinking about what I worried about during the day. And then it just leads. And then I'm like, Oh, okay, I can't sleep now. And has anyone ever been there? Has anyone? <laughs> Please don't tell me I'm the only one. The only one raising my hand right now. <laughs> yes, thank you. One person, one person in this whole room. Yes, two. <gasps> okay, so anxiety is excessive worry. Um, the difference between typical anxiety, everyday anxiety, because we're always anxious, um, all of us have a level of anxiety a part of us, but the main part of that is that it's so excessive that it gets in the way of our everyday working, our everyday relationships. Um, and so some of us know what that is. Some of us downplay it a lot. Um, and we'll talk about that here in a minute. But um, when anxiety, and we talk about, I mean, Chris and I had this conversation the other day, but a lot of the times we talk about anxiety and depression um, going hand in hand. They can be separate. They can be um, one and the same. They can kind of look like the same. Um, but here's, here's kind of what anxiety. So anxiety is this excessive worry, excessive worry. A stressful situation happens. You have excessive worry, excessive worry. It starts ruining your relationships. So much so that it creates fear. Okay? So then fear is created, and then you just kind of feel like you hide in a cave, 
and you don't want to do anything. Then you feel lonely, then you feel sad, then that's what depressed is, okay? There are a, um, I could sit here and talk about all the DSM uh, versions of diagnoses and all of that, um, but what we typically find is that there is a stressor that happens in someone's life. So uh, we as adults tend to think and forget about what stresses are for little kids, but for adults it could be, it could be anything. It could be a divorce, it could be um, relationship issues, uh, losing someone that you loved that's close to you, um, any of that kinds of stuff. For kiddos, what we think is something super small, we were literally, I was literally trained that for a child who loses a fish, like a fish, you're talking about the fish that, you know, they only last about a month, half the time. <laughs> um, if that fish dies, a child that is grief for a child in a child's eyes and in their life and in their world. And so sometimes we as adults, we're like, ah, you're fine. Get over it. Get over it. We, you know, we said it, we buried a little grave and, you know, we, we moved on. So we as parents don't think of it's that big of a deal because we have bigger things that we're kind of targeted in on, but for kiddos, even the smallest thing can be uh, lead to anxiety and depression. Okay, so why do we have anxiety and depression? Adulting is hard. Adulting, being an adult, so right here, it's that horrifying moment when you're looking for an adult, but then realize you are an adult. So you look for an older adult, someone successfully adulting, an adultier adult. <laughs> well, that's mentoring, right? <laughs> um, I came across something the other day, and uh, I just have to have to read this to you. So th they said, "How do you know when what you need to be as in a functioning adult?" So step ten, they automatically go to step ten. You need to be okay with being alone. You will be with yourself for the rest of your life, so you'd best learn to enjoy your own company. <laughs> Step 33, make your bed every morning. It's worth it because then no matter what, there is a small, tiny space in the world that you know is orderly. <laughs> and then it goes on and it gives a whole bunch of other steps on there. But so a lot of the times, very, very simple stuff. And this is a lot, a lot of why people do not get help is because they think, well, it's just adulting. This is just regular stuff. I don't need to get help. Just, ah, whatever. It's no big deal. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. So we oftentimes don't think that a post-traumatic, a PTSD, a traumatic situation, and something that's very small that happens in our life can cause anxiety, which then can cause depression. And if we already have genetics or a predisposition to that anxiety and depression, then oftentimes it can be just, it can just grow. It can just grow. Um, and so adulting can be hard. And I think that I always have to remind myself. So when I think about anxiety and depression, I think of Job. <laughs> oh my goodness, that story of Job. So God does not say he's not going to take away your burdens. What he says is he'll walk alongside you. And so um, I have to remind myself, and I tell this story. I mean, this is in, in the last... Let's see, since I've been kind of working with people in January, this has been the story I repeatedly tell is the story of Job. And it looks different for kiddos and it looks different for um, adults. But, I mean, it's just, it just keeps, I mean, a lot of people come and they're like, well, I believe in God, but he did this. But I believe in God, but, you know, I've asked him for this and he doesn't give it to me. 
And so I'm like, yeah, but that's, let's talk about that. What does that look like? And so um, I always refer him to the story of Job. So um, we, before we kind of talk a little bit about the, the science and the biology, I want you guys, now that you guys have shared your one thing, you guys know each other really well to start talking about anxiety and depression, right? With each other. <laughs> Um, so what you're going to do is you're just going to share about um, something stressful that you see. So it's not going to be personal. So we want to be careful. We, you can censor some of this. Um, something stressful that you've seen in someone else, or you can share if you want with yourself, just as long as you just kind of censor some of it, because we only have like two minutes. Um, so talk about something that has been stressful, that has caused some anxiety or depression in your life, or that you've seen in someone else's life. So what typically um, have you heard about that kind of that kind of causes that? And then what's one thing that you have seen other people do to take care of themselves? So I run, I uh, do a lot of praying. Um, anything like that. So we'll give you guys two minutes to kind of talk about that at your group, okay? There we go. Hey, we're going to pull it back together here. Uh, I know we didn't give you a whole lot of time at the table, but hopefully it just, if anything, it peaked a little bit of the conversation uh, in your mind. So we were just sitting here chatting about, you know, some of the ways we identify stress and some of the the... the the stigma behind it and some of the stressors, and, and we're just sharing. You know, uh, to be clear, one of the things, and you just mentioned it's kind of a pastoral or a counselor side of things, uh, one of my big stresses is I tend to take on other people's stresses. And so I'll, I'll be in meetings all day with all kinds of people and all kinds of struggles, and then I find myself staying awake at night worried about their problems. And then I, and then I, I say to Shauna, like, I bet they're sleeping well. Why am I worried about their problem? You know what I mean? Like, I'm still consumed with other people's problems. And you said that's a pastoral and a counselor thing. And now I have an identification of it. So what do I do? I eat a donut. Uh. Okay. Okay. So I know you Which talked about the health. Totally contradicts last week. I know. I was going to say it to last week. I just want to ask, did anybody change that they drink water before their coffee? <laughs> okay, good. See, totally ruined coffee all I know. week. For yes, me. okay. Well, uh, one of the things I do is I go for a walk. I get a little bit, bit of vitamin D, and sometimes just being outside in nature changes my perspective when I feel a little, um, a little bit down, a little bit um, discouraged. So being outside helps me. Okay, so I have some bad habits. <laughs> I um, so long your donut eating, I uh, stress eat, <laughs> and I have to I have to catch myself. Like my husband's like, you've been to the gas station a few times this week, and I'm like, oh, and then there's the wrappers of Reese's. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so um, we've talked a little bit about, um, and I want you guys to remember that. So just that what, that one or two, those one or two things that you do poorly or positively um, in kind of helping yourself with some of that anxiety or when you have a stress in your life. We are going to um, just look at some facts here before, we'll come back to this slide in a second. So, um, there are quite a few things in our, <laughs> I told you, I'm trying to make it a little funny here. So um, there are quite a few things that are in our world um, that have happened recently. 
um, that have really caused a lot of stress. And we can't, we can't ignore the elephant in the room that all of us um, try to do, but really that COVID and a lot of the politics, the pandemic, um, there has been a real fear in our world for one, our lives, for people that have been um, passing around us, or, um, but also just how to protect our families, how to protect ourselves. And that's, that's a real thing that's happening right now. And so um, I want to give you guys some statistics here. And um, anxiety and depression disorders, 40 million people in the United States, 40 million people. That is a lot. It is the number one mental health illness that um, that people are diagnosed with, or that people assume that in the statistics and the screenings that people have. Okay, that is a lot, a lot of people, and only 36.1 percent actually get help. So that means maybe. I don't know, I can't do the math. I'm a counselor, I don't do that, but <laughs> a lot, that's a lot. <laughs> and so um, they did a mental health screening and I gave you guys some statistics. So if you look on the second page inside that packet you guys have, you see some statistics at the very, very beginning, but they did a mental health screening. So this wasn't for diagnosis purposes. This was just gathering information about people's loneliness and um, how they felt secluded um, within kind of the last year and 2020 and what that looked like. And um, the, the screens after COVID went up 634%. I don't even know what that looked I'm used to working with like 10% up, 5% up, 634%. That is crazy. And the depression screens after COVID, 873% of people felt more lonely. They felt more secluded. That is nuts. That is so crazy. And that is why we are here talking about this. That is because it's a real thing. And so if you never experienced anxiety or depression, I'm sure almost everyone experienced some level of it after this last year that we had. So um, there are... Uh, we're going to kind of talk about the world. We're going to come down to our community. Um, but there's a lot of ways in which people feel that anxiety. So there's pressures from our community. Um, there's pressures, pressures right now for uh, teachers to make sure that kiddos test appropriately. Um, there's pressures for parents to make sure those kids test appropriately. So uh, last year, my son was taking... Um, the ISTEP or iRead, I don't know what it's called now, um, and he didn't, he wasn't sleeping, and so I, I was talking to him, he was like, mom, I can't fall asleep, mom, I can't fall asleep, and um, he was, he's a bad habit, some of my other bad habits, I pick my fingers, um, and I pass it on to my kid, oh, my son, <laughs> so uh, he's picking his fingers, and I could tell that it was really bothering him, he couldn't sleep, and I said, buddy, what's wrong, and he said, I'm just so worried about this test. What if I fail fifth grade? What if I fail fifth grade? <laughs> this is a real like this is real stuff going on in our kiddos' heads that worry that worry and and I will say so Wakarusa I'm just biased but I think Wakarusa Elementary had some of the best elementary teachers ever <laughs> and so I know that they're not saying okay if you don't pass this you're not going to go on to sixth grade I know they're not saying that but just that pressure 
and that space that we're creating within our community and the society and the kind of the education world, kids are feeling that. They're feeling it in their hearts. And then that's coming out. They're not sleeping. He's not wanting to eat. And so um, there are some actual real life stuff happening in our community that is, that is really worrying. And our kiddos are suffering from that. And then what about the theme and the pressures from uh, kind of keeping up with like all the stuff that we have going? So one of the things I tell uh, kiddos in uh, counseling, high, and high school, middle school and high school kids hate to hear this, I say, being bored is when you think of your best ideas. <laughs> and they're like, whoa. One of them left the other day and said, mom, I want to be more bored. And I'm like, <laughs> and uh, because if we're always busy and we're always, always doing stuff, when do we have time to think? When do we have time to pray? When do we have time to just be self-aware, take care of ourselves. And so we're always trying to keep up in, in hobbies and activities. This was the first year they brought my son's schedule. He plays football and soccer because he wanted to play both. <laughs> and so I said, oh, we'll try it. And they, they gave us three practices for soccer, three. And we go all the way to Granger in the evening. And I'm like, when are we going to do homework? When are we going to do that? And I told right away, and I'm the assistant coach. And I said, I told the other coach, and I said, and that was by accident, by the way. <laughs> and I told, I told the coach, I said, we can't make the third practice. We don't, I mean, we need time for our family. We need time for homework. Like when, and how do you, if you don't set that precedence now, then how do you encourage your kids that they need to set time aside for the things that matter, for the Lord, <laughs> for education, yeah. We um, talked about this in our podcast. I'm going to tie it back. We talked about the, the idea, this FOMO idea we all have that we're going to miss out. And I think it happens in our local community at high levels. And that we as parents have to set the boundaries for our kids. Absolutely. We have to set the boundaries in our marriages. Mm -hmm. We have That's the only way health. And this all ties together. This isn't by coincidence that she's just talking about this because it all goes and it comes back that we have to choose what we want, the best yes in our lives. Absolutely. You know, to, to, without sharing confidences by any means, I will say that my office is filled with folks, folks in our church that have struggled since COVID with this, this idea of, of anxiety, this idea of depression. And uh, I, I think well, last, last week, uh, uh, the last several weeks, I don't think there has been a night where I have not had counseling sessions uh, just going multiple times throughout the week. This is just something that's really taken on. When you say 634% and 873%, I'm like, yes, it's evident. Uh, we've sent some people to uh, get some counseling. And I think it was like three or four weeks ago, we sent somebody to somebody that we refer to. And I think it was like the second week of December before they had an opening. And so that's really the genesis of really why we're even doing this is because we want to help people begin to gather some resources to identify how do I respond? How do I yeah. work? Because this is becoming such a crisis. And we filled our schedules so full that, mm -hmm. and I'm guilty, we fill, we fill our schedule so full that we don't take time to stop mm -hmm. and to listen and to hear from the Lord and even give us direction and guidance. So I'm just identifying yeah. you are spot on and we got to figure out how to get beyond this. Yeah, self-awareness is key. And if we can't just be quiet within ourselves, within our own brains, we just can't, we can't even see what's happening with our own selves. Sometimes I get through the day and my husband just gets after me and it's like three o'clock and I'm like, I haven't eaten. He's like, how do you not eat? 
that's not even, I mean, obviously males and females have a different <laughs> agenda of how we eat sometimes. And I just keep on going and going and going. <laughs> and, but I mean, it's a reality. And so sometimes I just need to say, okay, today I'm going to eat. <laughs> I'm going to recognize that my stomach is growling and I'm not going to ignore it. So um, in Indiana, youth ranked um, for uh, suicide and depression at 19 of 50 states. Um, and of those reporting, of course, and then adults ranked at 26 of the 50 states. So we're right there in the middle. And um, I always blame the gray days, but I mean, there's, I'm sure, a whole bunch more going on than that. <laughs> okay, so uh, rural communities. Um, rural communities have challenges. And some of those challenges, and we're going to talk about them for a second here, um, is really access to resources. Um, so it's just hard. Uh, when I, and this has all kind of come together, and this is definitely God's hands, but when I started looking at doing direct work, I started looking at, well, who can I connect with in the Wani community? And there is not an active licensed counselor in the entire Wani community. Now, there are counselors that used to have a license that are working within churches. There's uh, mentors, there's life skill coaches, there's people from other community, uh, community mental health that come to the area, but there's no one stationed here. And so I was like, all right, God, I think, <laughs> I think this is a message here. And so um, I really started moving towards, like, I need to be in Wakarusa. I want to be in Wakarusa. So this is where we live. This is where, this is where I really want to be. And I also, when I was in Colorado, I was in a small town. So only 8,000 people in the entire town. Um, we lived in the mountains, and so it was pretty secluded, uh, about three hours to Denver and two and a half hours to Colorado Springs. So it, um, and certainly it wasn't a, uh, an experience like I had already experienced what rural communities are like um, I went from actually the Chicago suburbs of Chicago um, where I saw a lot of uh, kind of that date rape kind of uh, abuse and domestic violence situations where I go to rural and it looks it looks a lot different um, all right so health insurance and finances um, that that's a tough one so for a few years now I think that say a few years, it's probably been a while, but our health insurance uh, policies and what it looks like for actually containing uh, mental health resources. I think just recently our uh, society and our government has really started to recognize what that looks like. Um, some, uh, some corporate entities are really getting EAP, employee assistance programs, um, where you get five to six counseling sessions, um, and that's phenomenal. Um, but a lot of the times the mental health resources, it would be uh, for, let's say, like a co pay of 80 bucks, but then in private practice, you tend to find that it'll charge you just out of pocket $70, so it wasn't really worth it. Um, and so I just I continue to pray that uh, resources and finances uh, that way will be supported. One of the things that I am trying to do with Essential Grace Services is provide um, what's called a wraparound program, where it will be a scholarship program. So um, I was at FCDC uh, before this and was able to write a grant to kind of support some of that funding and support local uh, community resources for mental health. And so I partnered with uh, FCDC, I've partnered with Boys and Girls Club so far, partnered with Walkie Missionary to kind of provide those resources for families um, and they get six scholarship sessions. So the same as kind of an EAP program. Um, 
So a lot of the times what we find in rural communities, so we are, we're blue collar fam, we're blue collar community. So we work, we work until our knuckles are <laughs> red and bleeding. We work hard and we say, ah, we can toughen up, get up, uh, just rub some dirt on it. And that's, uh, that's kind of, that's how my grandpa raised me. <laughs> that's how I was raised. And so mental health, psh, whatever, we don't know when it's fine. Just, just, just go deal with it. Go, go work some more. Um, and so that is a common stigma. Um, and so I just, I want to kind of put that out there. So if, <laughs> I don't know, is that, yeah, can I jump in? Yeah, on that? jump in. So I, I am of the belief that every one of us needs a counselor, uh, and, uh, myself included. Actually, it was interesting. I was saying this the other day, Sean and I were meeting with a, with a couple and, uh, and I, I said to this couple, Hey, we have to change the stigma. Every one of us needs a counselor. And Shauna had been on me to go see somebody for a long time. And I'm telling this couple, everyone needs a counselor. And I can feel my wife's eyes <laughs> on me. And I kind of do that husband thing where I glance and I'm like, I see her staring at me going, yep, you too, buddy. You too. But there's pride involved. I remember saying to her, <laughs> she called me out. Um, as probably all of our wives do, she, I said to her, Shauna, where do I go? I mean, I know everybody that's in that industry. I know them. We're friends. And she says to me, sounds like you're struggling with pride. <laughs> yeah, pretty accurate. But here's the reality. We all need, so I actually went and saw somebody and spent some time, and I feel like, man, they really helped me unpack some things that I couldn't see for myself. We have to change the stigma that counseling means I'm completely broken because we are all broken and in need of a savior and in need of, of somebody to, to share life with. And so my wife was spot on. And I think um, there's a question that came in and I just want to address it because I think it hits right here is what about the believer that's struggling? And they said, well, you don't believe in Jesus enough. Mm. <laughs> what do you think about that? Can Vanessa? I just say that's part two? No, no. <laughs> it is. But I just want you, to, you can gaze and we, yeah. we are going to hit this yeah. question, but I think that is what we're all okay. asking. Okay. Here. So yeah, you go ahead. No, go ahead. Okay. Let me ask it in a little bit different because that's the believer side of thing. Let me ask. Okay. So, so we're all sitting out here and we all, we, we know we have a measure of worry about ourselves, anxiety, a measure of that, probably a measure of sadness, depression, especially on the gray days. So how do we know when that's normal versus when we should get help? Oh. <sighs> Gosh, I am what, not a counselor. What digression do I want to go? No, yeah. or what? I just play one Monday through Saturday. So, <laughs> so how do I? What do I say? How do you know? Um, so typically what I start to say, uh, so when I'm going to talk about kids, so if you have a kiddo that suffers from what's called somatic symptoms, um, so stomach aches, headaches, you've been to the doctor three or four times, um, that tends to be an actual physical sign and they're not finding anything. It tends to be a sign that your child is suffering with some kind of anxiety. So that's, uh, that's kind of from the kid perspective. Um, happens with adults too. Adults look at it a little bit differently. Um, when adults suffer with somatic symptoms, sometimes they they turn into um the brain is such a powerful thing. So sometimes when uh, there's so much anxiety that gets ignored, 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 sometimes it turns into an actual disorder um, that people have. Um, 
I think that there's a lot of debate on things that are somatic symptoms, uh, fibromyalgia, things that happen within your body that um, actually come out as a matter of continued, continued anxiety and depression. Um, and so I would say that those are some easy physical signs. But on a day-to-day -day basis, when you're really looking at like, well, eh, I don't know. One, I'd say I'd ask yourself, uh, do I have uh, anxiety and depression that runs in my family? So that's a tall tale that um, if you're not sure you're suffering from anxiety and depression, does it run, is the biology there? Does it run as a genetics? Does it run in your family? Um, and so I always talk, when I talk to um, addicts, so people with uh, AA, they go to AA and all of that kinds of addiction stuff, I say if you have a history, if your family has a history of addiction, it does not matter on mom or dad's side, then that means you are more prone to that addiction. And so um, same with anxiety and depression. A lot of biology. Okay, so um, one of the other things for rule that we tend to tell ourselves, um, some of those, uh, it doesn't happen here. That is a huge one. So we don't, and that comes a lot in the abuse world. So, I mean, that's kind of my filter, right? So I've worked with a lot of child abuse and domestic violence, a lot of trauma. Um, so a lot of trauma that with kiddos, eh, it doesn't happen here. None of that happens here. No, abuse, no way, no, uh-uh, uh, and then that kind of gets carried into the trauma, so what's the depth of that trauma, did it really hit, has it really happened, so that's kind of the other thing, Chris, is you need to really ask yourself, uh, just as far as trauma, has, has something happened, has there been, in what my psychology professor said, a bump in the road, has there been a bump, what's the bump in the road, what are you coming, what's your tall tale complaint that you're coming here today to say, um, so you're looking at genetics, you're looking at did something just happen traumatically um, so it tends to be that when adults come and see me for something that's happening it gets into a nine to ten layer all the way back to their childhood and so it's always interesting to see um, kind of how those on layers unfold um, but like uh, like teenagers and high school kids they they want to test it so adults do the same like are you, are you really not going to tell anyone when I come here? Are you really going to keep it secret? Are you really going to keep it um, healthy? In a co are you going to help me? Can you really? Ah, there's some stigma. So when people come and they want to have conversations about that stuff, there's some real hard stigma around that. And a lot of that comes with uh, it doesn't really happen here. Um, kind of, And the last thing kind of Chris talked about a little bit and there is there's some packets up here but there is a, uh, a prayer that um, when they're talking about kind of strongholds and all of that one of the highlighted prayers in there is pride so praying out pride and so um, one of those last things that keeps people from coming to counseling is pride that embarrassment um, who's going to know who's going to see um, I have been trained because and i it just happens to be that like I worked in a small community before and practiced what that conversation is with kiddos. So when kiddos and adults come to me, we have conversations, hey, if I see you out in the store, I don't have to, I can't acknowledge you. You can acknowledge me. Do you want me to say hello? So there's that, there's that whole kind of safety conversation that we have initially. And that is just part of it because we have to talk, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see people. 
And, um, and so they're going to see me and some, will, some have no problem. They'll come up and they'll give me a hug. Kiddos mostly have no problem. They'll come up and just, this is my therapist. And they have no problem saying it. But when you start to get a little bit or older, that pride and embarrassment gets, grows a little bit more. And so, um, you tend to see that people are a little hesitant about, do you find, do you find that? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Period. All right. So, um, so I just, I just want to say that if, if most people are going to see counseling, there should be that conversation that happens. So if you're going to a counselor, um, I know that I certainly have that, but we're in a small community. We're in a small town. When you get towards, towards Elkhart, it's a little bit bigger. Um, and so if you're going to a counselor, talking about that ahead of time, initiating that as part of your counseling session is really, really important. Um, because although we're all prideful, we all have a level of pride around us. That's why there's this workbook up here that, and I'm going to reference it um, in part two, but it really, it really talks about kind of praying out that pride, praying, um, having a prayer around pride and kind of that embarrassment that we kind of, that ego that we kind of carry around with us. Okay, so anxiety and depression, how are we on time? We doing good on time? 11, 12. Okay, awesome. So um, your family. So just talking about anxiety and depression in your family, being a self-aware, um, just a, a little funny slide here, um, which basically kind of talks about a little bit about what we said earlier. So, right, so there's this, there's um, mental health, and it's like this little shadow. It's like this little stomp on the ground, right? And so this bird is saying, yeah, I'm good. I'm going to go to the grocery store. I'm going to ignore it. I'm just going to, like, slide under the rug. I'm not going to do much. Um, and then they're distracted. They're doing stuff. And then you see the shadow at the, the very bottom on the left, and it starts to get bigger. And then it gets bigger, and it gets bigger. So mental health and anxiety and depression, when not dealt with, will grow. Um, and a lot of the times when I, when people come to me, it has, it's that slide number four at the very bottom. Um, and that's hard. Um, and so kind of the whole point of this, having this conversation today is if you're starting to recognize in slide one, yeah, that's when you want to start seeing someone. That's, that's really, when you start seeing it in your kiddo, you start, uh, worried about, I feel like, I feel like there's something going on, but I'm not sure then uh, seek, seek help. Go to the doctor. If it feels more comfortable going to a medical doctor first, go to a medical doctor. Um, a lot of the times that's what happens with kiddos because you can't, you can't tell what's going on. You can't um, tell what's really happening. Also, kids at 7 and 8, they're trying to learn. Uh, they're trying to push their boundaries. They're trying to say, like, they're learning what lying is. And they're learning, like, kids at a very young age understand manipulation. They know if they cry, you're going to give them a bottle. <laughs> they know if they cry, you're going to take care of them. Um, and so they learn that, and that carries with them. And so when they uh, get to be a little bit older, they start to test that a little bit more. And um, so I would just say that that self-awareness and that piece about just really recognizing what's going on with your kiddos and your family. Also the marriage. Um, so just paying attention to your spouse um, and recognizing like, hey, something's going on. Something I'm a little bit worried about you. Um, or taking a pausing moment. So if everyone, like we said a little bit ago, if everyone just takes a moment and pauses and recognizes, like, let, let's be self-aware, let's take care of ourselves. Um, sometimes I literally, one simple drill that I have, drill, one simple uh, kind of task that I have kiddos or adults do when they're so much in their heads um, is I have them just tap. 
tap their knees. They tap their knees to come back, to come back to their bodies because sometimes inside their head they have so much going on. And I know that there are quite a few of you that are out there that just have so much up here that you don't even know what's going on at the very bottom of your toes. And uh, that's pretty common. And so sometimes we train our kids. We train our kids that way. We keep them so busy that, it, that they learn from us how to be anxious. They learn from us how to be busy. And so just being self-aware, recognizing that is super important. So 70% adults um, reported the loneliness due to mental health, past trauma, and relationship problems. So um, we're going to kind of go, I don't know if I can go back. I'm going to go back to, so there we go. So um, just recently has science and the Bible <laughs> started to acknowledge one another. So it was kind of like, we had this like great thinking of like, this is what happens from your body, here are all the medical proofs, and here's all this stuff, and then we have all this great stuff that's happened in the Bible, and we have all this stuff that's truth that's been told to us down the years, and, but they don't talk. They say, mm, I don't know about you. And the other one says, I don't know about you. And so they just don't meet. They haven't until recently. And so what I always like to say is, God gave us this brain. God gave us the ability, these tools to use and to bring all of that together and to be able to recognize physically what's happening with our bodies, physically what's happening, and Crystal said this a lot last week, what's happening with our bodies, what's happening with our spouse, what's happening with our kiddos, and recognizing that biology and um, bringing, bringing some truth from the Bible in that and bringing, bringing that together. Um, sometimes a lot of people... Um, they're, they won't, until it's a physical problem, they don't go and get help. Until it's actually something, there is a cut on their leg, <laughs> they will not go and get help. Um, but if it just hurts a little on the inside, oh, you just shake it off. You shake it off. You don't pay attention to it. So there's quite a few things that uh, lead people to anxiety and depression. Um, and a lot of those are listed right here. Uh, so a lot of, like we talked about genetics, we talk about um, personality, predisposition to anxiety, um, your environment. Are you an introvert or extrovert? We are social beings. We need to be in relationships. Science and the Bible says that. <laughs> so um, we need to be with people. And so how, if someone is more introverted, are they more prone to being lonely? Maybe. Um, so there's a lot of factors. And um, there's no one makeup for any particular person. There's no one makeup for um, a design of person that comes in. All we can kind of say is there's all these kinds of ways that can happen, and what it leads to in the end is the anxiety and the depression. All right, do you want to say something? Well, I wanted to kind of go with where you went with this whole connection between the Bible and our minds. Yeah. And I don't think this is by chance that we need to connect this. Who, connect, who connected it first? Christ, God, he, he, he connected it right away in the scriptures. And so I have this quote, and she's going to go um, back. Can you go to the, the quote at the end? Um, and we're going to um, kind of talk this at the tables as well. We um, get to this whole point that um, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Okay, this, this is an idea that's really broad, but it brings it right back to this whole thought of anxiety and depression. Do you think God is going to hold you up when you go into a situation that you're unsure faith. of? Mm -hmm. Are you going to walk by faith? Is God 
going to be with you in the um, doctor's office when you have that diagnosis? Is God going to walk with you in parenting when your child is rebellious? What you believe about God is the most important thing about how he works in our lives, in our mental, mm -hmm. and in our, in our health. And we tend, this is true, we tend by a secret law of the soul to move towards our mental image of God. And so we, in those moments when we are tested, when we are put in those situations that she's talking about, when we say, oh, why do I feel this way? Why do I, why do I um, have this anxious spirit in me? Why am I um, depressed? Why am I sad? We have to think about who God is in this conversation. We have mm -hmm. to tie the two together. Yeah, it's zooming out. It's just what you talked about this morning. It's what we've talked about. You have to step out of your situation and look at it from the biblical perspective. And I'm going to throw one more thing in here. And if you want to know where the scripture talks about this, I, this came in my study of this, is that the word downcast, we all know it's in the scripture. In Hebrew, what do you think the word downcast means? Depressed, sad. How many times is it referenced? If you go in and you, you search it up, it's different places. But one place it sets is in Psalms 42. And I'm going to read it. It says, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, which means because of something, I'm going to change something else. I will remember you, my God, and my troubles will be given to God. And so I wanted to connect this biblical perspective mm -hmm. with our mental health. And I think yeah, we have to absolutely. add God into this conversation absolutely. and step back. And so we have to really grasp who is God to me? How big is my God? The, that he can do anything. He'll meet me in those, in those times of need. Yeah, no, that is uh, absolutely. Thanks Angie for that. Um, we're going to have you guys just one more. We got about how many minutes? 10 minutes, a few minutes. Okay. So we're going to look a little bit at you guys have in your packets, kind of a self-assessment and it's just an informal. All right. So just kind of look down, read down that self-assessment and, um, it, it gives a little, you're welcome to share. You don't have to, um, it's up to you guys, but this will put a little bit more black and white to anything stressful that has happened um, in your lives. Just kind of check a few of those. And this is just kind of a kind of a tell of you know where you're at, what's happened. Maybe it's not at this at this period in your life. Maybe it's been past, and those things have happened in the past. So just kind of look at that and share um, share with your partner, share with your group if you feel like it. If you don't, that's okay too. We'll just give you like a minute. Okay, so um, that just kind of puts a black and white to um, maybe some stuff that has been going on. It could have been the same as that conversation you had earlier. Um, but I'm just going to, um, we're going to kind of close here with a few things. So in thinking about and having talked about anxiety and depression and kind of like from the worldview, the community and our rural and all of that, we look at our family, we kind of start to look at ourselves. Um, funny picture up here, usually most people are anxious, they feel anxious, but then they feel anxious about feeling anxious. So, and then it's a vicious cycle, same with depression. Um, I just want to point out, typically when people come and they uh, want to do counseling, I always have to self-assess. So this is really big in child protection services too. Um, so you always have to self-assess Maslow's hierarchy, all right? So 
The first one, um, of course, is for adults, and the second is for teens. So we tend to think uh, we always put what that bottom need is. So we always have to make sure that kids uh, and families have food, um, they feel security, they have a sense of support, and then it kind of goes up to where they are able to do counseling. And teenagers usually say the first thing before food they need is Wi-Fi. <laughs> so that is um, that is uh, typically what I what's a Wi-Fi password? As soon as they get in a counseling session, what's it? And I'm like, are we counseling? <laughs> And so um, I always say that if those needs are taken care of, then we can start doing counseling because a lot of the times, the first time when someone comes, I have to assess, do you have housing? Do you have food? Are you having security? Do you feel safe? And then we can kind of work into some of that counseling and do that kind of life skills. That's why I say Essential Grace really offers that services of life skills because I can't, there's no point, I'm wasting someone's time if they come and they don't have a house and they're trying to talk about counseling. That doesn't make sense. Um, if, they're, if they have worried about food for their kids for that week, we can't do counseling. Um, and so I always try to say that we have to meet those, uh, those Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So, um, all right, and then there's some uh, treatments in here. So these are kind of those uh, psychology-based treatments that we're going to look at. So you, remember, we talked about this is part one. Next week is part two. And we are going to really combine psychology and the Bible together uh, next week. And so um, we're going to take some of these treatments, and we are going to combine them Where'd it go? with what does God say. All right, so um, we're going to talk about strongholds. We're going to talk about the depth of um, your love in the Lord, your quiet time. How do you provide that for yourself and your family, which is really important for your kiddos. So not only do we have to spend time with the Lord, but we have to be encouraging. Like it is, and it is a task for my son to do a devotion every day. And I know that he writes it in as quick as handwriting and it's done in one sentence but it is part of it so if you get those habits pressed now into them then I promise later it will grow um, we're gonna talk about idols um, strongholds and idols they kind of come together um, and then we're going to talk a little bit about uh, peace and joy and hope so you very rarely see someone um, coming to counseling who have who know how to have peace who have hope who have purpose um, and a strong sense of faith. So a lot of the times people are coming and there's a part missing there. There's something from their past, some idealized way of what they were told, uh, the authorities told them when they were younger about God. And so that it's kind of mixed up in there, okay? Or they're relating maybe their earthly father with their heavenly father. And so some of that, we work on some of that. And then, and then, of course, purpose. So we talk about why God's chosen you um, and what your purpose is. So that's what we're going to do next week. In your packet, you guys do have a list of resources. So these are resources I give to everyone. Um, there are some simple Bible apps. So if any of you guys have the Holy Bible app, there is a slew of resources in there. There are some of those Bible apps that I've put on there that I do two or three times. I screenshot them. I cut them out. I give them as part of uh, counseling, and we talk about those. So those are great. Some books in there. So you can see uh, Angie and I are kind of resource queens when it comes to stuff like that. So we have, like, we put all these books here, and I, I don't know, maybe just to show you, like, we promised, like, we're bringing some stuff 
often <laughs> into some of this conversation. <laughs> And then we have some packets here of information, but some of the information that packets here we'll talk about next week in part two. All right. You know, the whole, the whole genesis of this whole nine weeks is that we understand what it is to have abundant life and to live in that abundant life. And we've started with health and wellness. Now we're talking about anxiety and depression. We're going to get into topics of grief and uh, addiction, forgiveness, technology, sexuality, current cultural things. Here, if I, if I, just hear me as your pastor for a moment. The, the thing that I get most frustrated with is, is for my 26 years, somebody coming way too late in the process, um, marriages that are falling apart. And then finally, you know, maybe one of the spouses has been saying for a long time, we need help, we need help, we need help, we need help. And the other spouse is discrediting it. And then all of a sudden one spouse walks out the door and then the other spouse comes in and sits on my sofa and says, all right, fix it. <laughs> and I'm like, you, the warning signs have been there for 10 yep. years and now, you know, fix it. Uh, it. It doesn't work like that. So my challenge to us is this. Don't let something that's a minor problem become a major problem because we have failed to desire to address it or talk about it or find hope in, in our relationship. And if I could say that to anybody listening today, whether you're listening through this recording or you ultimately hear the podcast or you're sitting live right here before us today, if there is a problem, begin to address it. Take it seriously. Seek some help. Seek counsel. Seek a friend. Start a conversation. But let's not let a minor issue become a major issue. Yes. So like she said, there's resources up here on the table. And let me tell you, there's some, if you want, both of us will we'll talk about, if you have a question, there may be a book set in there. And our highlights and uh, scribbles might be in them, but we can say, hey, we'll get you one. We'll get a way to get to this to you. There's also some copies here that we'd love to, if you have more questions about any of this stuff, we want to make it available to you. And so Joel up here is um, going to kind of give us the how of when we leave here, how do, how do we resource, how do we um, find what's going to um, come this week? Yes. Okay. So, uh, for those of you that some of you have already seen and experienced our, uh, our podcast, our, our first run at that. So, so here's the weekly kind of the follow-up things that we'll be doing. So we have this session here tomorrow. We will uh, enter back into the recording studio to have our follow-up at home podcast recording. We record that. It takes a couple of days for us to uh, sort of process it, get it posted. Right, right now, our our goal is is that these re recordings and additional resources will be released uh, first thing Thursday morning, um, the week the week following these Sunday sessions. We have a few more resources to put up. Uh, Crystals, um, if you go to our website right now, let's just start there. If you go to uh, walkmc.org and go to the at home tab, each week you'll see. Uh, all the both recordings, our po our podcast recording will be up there, and then the session recording, and then all of uh, supplemental resources that you can click on, download. Uh, so it's just kind of all in one place. In addition, though, if you go on, for those of you that are like, where's my podcast? Uh, Spotify. Uh, so if you're on Spotify, you can search out. It's at home at what at home with Walkie MC. 
Um, and then iTunes currently, well, we've submitted, this is how this works in podcast world, we have submitted our podcast to them. They take a little bit longer to approve us to like go up because apparently we're in a long line of, of people. So iTunes, uh, you will see our feed come through on iTunes if you use iTunes for your podcast. Um, that should be happening soon. It's We're just... We're waiting on them at this point. So we will just stay tuned to our, our church's Facebook feed, um, to our family ministry. For those of you that are on Instagram, our, our family ministry feed as well. We will just be updating you when those things are released, reminding you, just trying to keep you as up to date. And I would just say this. On the podcast side, like us, share us, subscribe. Uh, help. It helps connect other people with what the conversations that we're having here that we hope to be, we just want to be a resource. We want to be helpful um, in this series. So uh, we are doing everything we can to just get out resources and uh, <laughs> yes, and the middle school has been released. <laughs> yes. Um, so uh, just stay tuned, uh, hang with us. Um, we, we really, really hope that these things are, are helpful and, uh, we're just looking forward to just a continued, uh, conversation as we, as we move forward. So shall I pray for us as we, as we head out? Okay. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you for this day. We thank you for uh, just the gift of our congregation. We we thank you for um, what I hope are just our lives that are being transformed into the image of your Son, and that means our whole being, our whole lives, our 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 longings, our our thoughts, our words. The whole thing belongs to you, and so God. Um, even today, as we talk about uh, our, how our how our minds work and how that 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 integrates with who you've made us to be, and and how um, that we can just that we can have victory, that we can have wholeness in you, God. I pray this is an encouragement. I really do, and I I pray that as we are just build that we can be building one another up, encouraging one another, that we can be a community of healing, that we can be a community that just has a gospel mission. Um, to see the fullness of life in Christ uh, in all that we come in contact with. So God, would you just continue to embolden us, encourage us, and send us forward. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this day. It is in your name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Blessings to you, friends. Be well.